Um, I have the verses I want us to look at this morning in the in your handout. If you would want to turn in your own Bibles to those verses, of course you'll um, be ready. But this is a as a way of review. Um, this summer, the series we did, we were looking at four spiritual disciplines that I believe are essential in every season of life. And what I mean by every season of life, I, I mean from, from the time you're first born again by the Spirit of God, you, you, you need to begin to grow in these areas and put these disciplines in your life, and you never come to the point where you don't need them. And so we, we looked at these four. There's many spiritual disciplines. There's many other ones, but I think these four are essential. So we've looked at the spiritual discipline of abiding in Christ or, or Bible intake. Uh, we've looked at the spiritual discipline of, of prayer. We then took and looked at the spiritual discipline of journaling because I believe that helps you with those first two disciplines, so we discussed that. Most of these we, we spent at least two weeks on, uh, if not three. And then last two weeks we looked at the spiritual discipline of church and in, in body life and how important that is, how essential it is that you're connected in. Uh, all of the one another's in, 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 the, in the New Testament are, are designed to be carried out in the context of a local church, a local assembly. And um, being part of one, being committed to one in a committed relationship is, is, is very important and it's very healthy and I believe it's essential. And, um, and so... Staying in the Word, staying in prayer, and staying connected with your brothers and sisters in Christ in, in a local church um, is really the foundational building blocks that protects you in this last one, yet this last one is unique and, and separate in a way. And the last one, the spiritual discipline of being in the world but not being of the world. Um, navigating an upside-down culture with neighbors, employment, community, even family. Oftentimes we have family that have bought into the upside-down culture, don't we? And so how, how, do you, how do you handle that? And so I'm not going to answer all questions, of course. You may have questions that I, I can try to uh, address. You may have some solutions that might be encouraging for all of us, but I at least want to lay the, uh, some of the foundation today that we should all be thinking because we were not called to be monks. We're not supposed to run to a monastery and build some kind of a fort and a moat around us, and it's just you and Jesus. Uh, th that's not the goal. We're, we are to go into the world and make what? Disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we have that command, that, that call to go, whether that is like the Sims are or whether it's across the street to your neighbor or whether it's people within your whole family. So let's look at a these three texts I have here, there's so many others I could have taken you to, but let's just start with uh, 1 John 2. I'm sure you're very familiar with it. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. For anyone, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desire 
lusts of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. You see that? It talks about the desires. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. It doesn't give you a particular practice, but it's the whole idea that, that we are drawn to um, the pleasures of sin, the pleasures of the world. Our, our flesh is drawn to them, and, and we, we, we have those desires that pop up within us. And, and so we're being warned there that um, in that world there is a desire of the flesh and a desire of eyes, and it's all fed by the pride of life. Um, and, and that's not of the Father, but that's of the world. And so we certainly have to be very careful of the world. We have to be very aware. We have to acknowledge our own weaknesses, even as we go out in the world. John ended his little letter there in First John, and he said, Little children, keep yourself from idols. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Paul Tripp, I believe it was, coined the phrase that we are idol factories. We have little idol factories. In our, I mean, we just produce idols faster than we can repent from them. And, and they pop up and you don't even know that you've put that God on a shelf until all of a sudden somebody tries to take that God away. And then all of a sudden you go, I got a problem here. Um, and, and so that, that, that battle, we've got to keep ourselves from idols. But that doesn't mean we do it by not going into the world because the fact of the, the matter is we have been commanded to go into the world and if God commanded us to do it, he also has given us the prescription and how we can do it and be effective for the glory of God. And that's really what we talk about. So some of it is being aware. Look at the passages from Peter. Peter knew that. Peter's whole epistle is about the dispersion. It's about believers that were under enormous persecution. A persecution far beyond anything that anybody here in America to this point, and I say that to this point, um, have, have ever experienced. Um, if you read some of the uh, commentaries on, on First Peter, it will talk about how Nero would tar um, believers, tie them on poles, and put them up around the palace um, gardens and then have them lit and they would burn to death and they would be the they'd be, they'd be the light for the drunken orgies that would be going on there i mean that that's a level of persecution we know little about here in america but we have brothers and sisters all over over the world that are facing that that kind of persecution no doubt in north korea and iraq and iran and, and, and places like that and so this is the this is the letter that is being written to these people that have been dispersed from their homes and their churches and their jobs and uh, it's it's Peter's instruction and this particular section of his letter in chapter 5 actually is begins with instruction to elders and then it, it basically moving down to uh, to everyone and so we picked this up here in verse 8 be sober. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So as we said, we, we need to be alert to the fact that we do have an enemy. We, we, we can't be ignorant of that. Um, we can't be 
foolish. You need to be wise. And uh, he goes on and gives an instruction immediately. He says, resist him. So obviously we're supposed to um, be out in the world where, where we would have that kind of level of temptation when it comes. Uh, the answer is to resist him. We resist him firm in your faith. Faith is built on truth. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? By the words of Christ. There's no faith without the word. Uh, the resisting comes, it's, it's, not a, it's not grunting harder. It, it's not saying some kind of cantation, I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. It's not any of that. It's living and speaking the truth of the gospel. That's the, that's the resisting. And so, um, it's very clear here, we're to resist um, firm in our faith. And knowing that the same experiences of suffering is being accomplished by your brethren. Do you see those next words? Who are what? In the world. That's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to go out into the world. And as we're out there, we're to take the gospel. As we're out there, we're to shine our lights. As we're out there, we're to be salt. And as we're out there, we're to resist the devil with the truth of the word of God. It goes on to say, after you have suffered a, a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect or complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so when you read Peter's letter, you don't, you don't end sitting here thinking, wow, this is really gloom and doom. No, Peter knew the end of the story. Christ is the victor. And those of us that are in Christ have the power of the gospel. And, and we're not victims. We're victors too in Jesus Christ. But we do have an adversary. We have to be alert to it, to resist him. And look at this last um, one that I'm going to use for today. I'll give you another one as we start uh, next week. But Jesus is approaching the time of his crucifixion, the phony trials um, that he faces. And we see here, in John 18, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, So are you a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I was born, or I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify of truth. He's exactly who he said he was. He's exactly who the prophets said would come. The, the, the booming voices down through the years, and, and here he is, truth in the flesh, the way, the truth, and the life. Here he stands the light in darkness, the light of the world stands before Pilate. 
And Pilate said to him, those famous words, what is truth? That's what we're called to do this season of our lives, wherever you find yourself. We live in a world that has no idea, like Pilate, what truth is. They have no idea. None. Zero. They're clueless. They're upside down. And and Pastor has taken us that beautifully in this creation and culture series, and he's taken us beautifully through it in in, Rev, in Romans as we've, as we've walked through it. We, we see they're completely upside down. That Good is evil and evil is good, and they don't know the difference. Uh, they, they, talk, they talk foolish babble. And, and we are to take that light to the world and that truth to the world and then trust it to the Lord whether they'll be enlightened by it or whether they'll, they'll reject it. It finishes up there and says, And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. He couldn't figure out what truth was, but he knew enough to know that Jesus wasn't guilty. Man, I say, you might know he's God, but that doesn't mean you've ever submitted your life and heart to the devil believes in God and trembles, it tells us in James. Knowing about him isn't enough. You have to know him. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. And by the Spirit of God, be being made conformable. By death to yourself, dying to yourself and living to him and becoming like Christ. So, what, what do we do? What are we to do? Well, Satan's lies go all the way back to the garden. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I just want to remind you of that because that's what you're facing wherever, wherever you go. Um, they can be put a lot of different ways, but this is foundational. The culture that we're in says there's no absolute truth. You can't know truth. There isn't any absolute truth. And that's exactly what Satan said to Eve, right? Yea, hath God said. Don't listen to what he said. I mean, who is he anyhow? It's it's no big deal. You can't know the truth. You can't can't know if she's a woman or not. You you can't know. It's it's insane what we see going on around us today. If you watch any of the videos that, um, what's the guy who's the Jew, but he's not a Christian, but he does all those videos? Yes. I mean, you know, he interviews people, and he, he asks them just the simplest questions, and it's amazing to me that they're even willing to let him interview them, and that they are willing to let those answers go go public. I, I, I mean, you you would think that every one of them would need to be locked up in an insane asylum. It is mind-boggling, if you ever watched any of that. It's mind-boggling because they're blind to the truth and and they do not know where truth is. Folks, every single one of you here are here and you know the truth. And so you can sit with other people and when they start talking that nonsense... You don't have to give them the whole Bible. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be ugly. 
but as we're going to see here when we flip the page and more next week, but you, you can let them know that um, you can know truth. And in fact, there's a God in heaven who created everything, and he wants you to know truth, and he's made it possible for you to know truth. And, and you can boldly say, you may not be sure, but I'm sure. I'm very confident. I, I know the truth. In fact, I know the author of truth. I know him personally. And I'd love to sit down and discuss it with you. And, and um, you are in the position continuously to have those kind of conversations because of the world we live in. You all rub shoulders with people who have not a clue about the simplest of things. This isn't complicated. The simplest of things. They just don't know because they're totally upside down and deceived and listening to a culture that's speaking foolishness to them. Secondly, you see in the, in the garden what Satan did. He said there's no consequences for not believing the truth. God told Adam and Eve, in the day you eat, you shall what? Die. Satan says to them, you shall not surely die. Well, that's the other thing that culture says all the time. I, there isn't consequences. You can do whatever you want. There, I, I mean, I, and think of how foolish it is. I mean, what I like to do in the simplest thing is just say, well, you know, you can believe that there's no such thing as gravity, and that's not truth. But if you want to get in that building, go up to the 10th floor and jump out of the window, it's only going to take you about 18 seconds to find out that there is truth and there's consequences when you don't believe it. I mean, so it's, it's not hard to find an illustration to bring at least people to a point where they're, they're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because that's a lie from the beginning. And then, of course, that, that last lie, which is really what the culture wants and what we see now with the whole transgender and, and all the rest, that there's, there's no limitations. You can determine what truth is yourself. You can be as gods. And, and however you feel and whatever you want to be, you can be. And, and, and again, how silly that is. You know, if, you, if you want to be, if you're a woman trapped in a man's body, just, you, know, you, can, you can change everything. Or vice versa. But I don't hear any of them saying, if you want to be an airplane, you can be an airplane. Just go down to the airport and take off. I mean, it's only things that fit them. And, and, it's, and it's ludicrous. But they believe it. And, and they need people who are not rocked by that and don't get angry. It's not, it's not a case of getting upset. It's not a case of belittling them. It's, it's a case of, of going to them and, and being respectful I know it's hard to be respectful when you're talking to an idiot. But understand, we were once dead in our trespasses and sin, and where would we be if somebody hadn't spoken the truth to us? We would be the same place. We're not better than them. We've just been delivered by the power of the Spirit of the living God, or we would be just as blind as they are. So you go kindly. You go, you go gently, but you go confidently. And you tell people the truth. So here's what we're going to look at next week. I've just got three, four, I guess, four points. I could give five, but, it, but it, it's really just looking at and fleshing out. So how do we take and go out in the world and um, 
not be overtaken by the world. I would like you this week to think about that. How do you do that? Men, you in particular, but not exclusively, you go out into the world to make a living. Many of you ladies do as well. If you don't go out to make a living, you go out to the grocery store, or you go out to the uh, supermarket, or you go to the mall, or maybe you've been invited to a, um, a neighborhood party, a neighborhood gathering. Uh, maybe you have family members that are, that are not saved, and, and uh, they live in an upside-down culture, and they've swallowed it hook, line, and sinker, and they invite your kids to their house, and that's your sister-in-law or your brother-in-law or your sister or your brother. You know, I mean, it's somebody really close, and they, they invite you to send your children over to their house for a sleepover. What are you going to do? How do you handle those things? I mean, you're going to face those things. You're going to take your, your kids to different forms of entertainment, or your kids are going to see um, entertainment. I mean, I, I don't know. I really don't know what I would do if my children were three and four, but a little bit of me says if I were taking them to the mall, I would have to put a blindfold on them. Uh, I, I mean, but the point is, they are going to be in the world. Uh, and and we're, we can't ignore that. We can't ignore that there is evil and it's all around, and it's pervasive in the culture. So how are you as parents and grandparents, and how are we as adults going into the world and prepared for that trip in, and how do we conduct ourselves and handle ourselves so that that we can be a gospel witness and not a casual? That's what we're going to look at next week. I surely won't answer all the questions in one, one week, but... I would love your input to that as well. So, serious stuff, right? Then the, uh, the series will be over for the summer, and I'll be gone for um, a couple of Sundays. On the 28th, we'll have a, an adult, um, combined adult mission focus Sunday, so we won't um, miss actually a Sunday school class there, and then I'll be out of the time for two other weeks. And then we'll return to our series in Psalms, and I'm looking forward uh, to that. And uh, I still have the list of different Psalms, different ones of you said that you would like to uh, go over. So um, look forward to, to that time and be thinking about this next week. Um, I love you. It's good to see you all. Have a great week. God bless you. You are dismissed.